0: Hello and welcome to the next episode of the Cisco Technology Podcast. It's me, Justin Mullen, and you can contact the podcast at by tweeting me at, at Justin Mullen or you can email me at justin.mullen@cisco.com. at cisco.com. that's two ohms of one. L. So today I am joined by prestigious people from our network our networking and SE community. Um, it's the we're talking about SDN. And it's been just over a year since we recorded our, our software defined networking podcast, and which had the most downloads we've ever had, uh, a double, pretty much double of what we've ever had for anything else. So I wanted to get the guys back in the room again and see, after twelve months' time, a year, what uh, what's really changed. So I'm joined by Hattrick Performance, Steve Kirk.
1: Hi, Justin. All right. Hello, mate. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. 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 Thank you. Thanks, right. for again. Thanks for asking. You're welcome. And
0: uh, Justin Rowland. Hello. Second time podcaster. Hello, hello, hello. Hello, Justin. Nice to have you back. And uh, we're also joined by with the youth of the room. <laughs> I'm low the average age there. <laughs> You have You have drastically lowered the average age of uh, of, of us in the room. But it's uh, Ben Brophy. Hello. Hello, Ben. Um, so, we're here to talk about SDN. And it's, it's quite interesting because we, we talk about it pretty much every day at work. And you guys are in speaking to customers, you're talking to partners, you're talking to other people in the industry, and it'd be really good to get your point of view of of actually, what has has it moved on? Has anything changed, or is it still the same as it was 12 months ago?
2: Yeah, that's a good question. I I think um, it hasn't changed, it hasn't moved on as quickly as perhaps I was was expecting. there's still a lot of interest in it. It's probably the most interesting. Uh, you know, it's the subject with the most interest when you know when we speak at events. But in terms of adoption, it's perhaps been a, a little bit slower than than we might have expected. And uh, we've had a, a, a chat uh, today about that. And I, I think uh, it's actually similar to a lot of other big technology trends that have come in over the last uh, you know ten. Ten plus years. So, what, why why hasn't things changed
0: much then? So, what, what is it? Is it just people aren't interested?
1: It's not adding the value that people thought it was going to do. I don't know. What 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 is it? I think it th- it's a question of timing. I think I think that's that's, that's largely largely important. People. Um, I think I think uh, technology can sometimes change with people as well, um, but I also think it's a question of maturity. Um, and you don't think it's a, mature enough. Then I don't think it has been. I think it, it, it's it's getting very much more mature now. Things like, for instance, our controller from from Cisco has become a lot more controller and a uh, lot more um, matured in this last year or so. I think some of our solutions, both in WAN and and LANs, are maturing as well. Um, and I think we have a deployable solution now, um, whereas possibly beginning of last year we didn't. And I think we are get start to gain as Justin just said. Significantly improved mindshare. It's going to take time. Yeah, it's going to take time. But but are people getting any? You mean Ben? You're, you're the other the other youngster
0: in the room. Mm-hmm. You mean maybe thinking about the age of twelve? Absolute like like youngster. In the room. <laughs> no, you're <laughs> the. Early, pen, I man. think the correct term is early in career. Yeah. Yeah. You're you're <laughs> very early in career uh, in Cisco. <laughs> 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 we have got the HR police in the room again. Um, <laughs> So what's your thoughts on it? Because this, 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 we've got some old timers here, and I'm kind of myself in that as well, so I mean, we've, we've seen some sort of transitions in the industry, and you're sort of coming straight into this after sort of training and university and graduation, grad, graduation and graduate scheme and things like that, so great to get your view of it.
3: Yeah, I think, to, to what's been said before, it's still gonna take some more time to uh, to, to mature, but I mean, even for me, I did a computer networking degree, in, it was still very network centric in a way. So, so for me, it's still gonna be a big shift, but I totally realise that things are changing and it's not just necessarily about understanding the network anymore. Whilst that is, I think, absolutely important and critical and you're never gonna take that away, we still need to understand the nuts and bolts of how it works. There's a lot of other things that are coming out, like the, you know, the ability to, to know a bit of Linux or cloud networking Programmability, things like this. Um, so yeah, I think it's
0: the time to embrace it, and it will take time. But hmm. but is is it just is when something doesn't pick up? Is it because people aren't seeing the value in it, or is it it's just too far ahead? It's too too I don't know blue sky thinking.
2: It, well, well, I think I think sometimes, and I think I, I think we were probably a bit guilty of this this time last year when we were we were talking. It's easy to underestimate uh, how long it takes for things to gain mind share and and build up. And if you look at some of the other technology transitions that we've seen over the years, uh, I remember trying to persuade people to adopt uh, IP telephony, to move their telephone systems away from, you know, rock solid, reliable PBXs to IP telephony systems and I remember year after year as a young, sorry, early in career, <laughs> enthusiastic. Can't we say uh, young now? Yeah, <laughs> I think it's, uh, uh, anyway, um, uh, I remember thinking, but this stuff is so good. And, and yet somehow we don't manage to persuade people. And at the time I wondered whether we were ever going to, to make that transition. When you look back now, I, I, I think, You could see that it was inevitable even in the early days the technology was moving on the rate of development of IP based technologies compared to uh, TDM based technologies meant that that there was only one way it was ever going to go but it was difficult to see that at the time.
0: So it's it's basically you're saying it's coming it's going to take a bit of time but it's coming so the industry and people within the industry have to get on board with it really um, but that that rings the question in my mind what do they need to get on board with
1: well i mean get on board with it you're right because let's let's look let, again just to, just extending just what justin's just said let's look back to some of those voice engineers there's very very skilled voice engineers as well you know there's some really technical things that those guys used to know about isdn das dpnss X25 packet switching. We all remember those. No, system seven. seven, Yeah, yeah. we remember all of those sort of things, and we, you know, we salute the guys who used to work at that. But a lot of those guys are unemployable now. The the industry has completely changed from underneath them. Are they unemployable
2: if if their skills haven't?
1: If their skills haven't kept kept abreast, and people's skills have to keep abreast of of a changing industry, and the industry is changing, And, and I'm sure we'll talk about it more in a moment, but you know, programmability, software-defined networking, You know, the ability to program this network on the fly as a programmable object, and it's a distributed computing system, um, that's very powerful what you can potentially do with it. It is, and I think
0: that sort of, does that, that then come down to um, what do people want from it? Because we sort of sat there looking at this SDM thing and going... Mm. Great SDN, we can. I can automate my network. I can. And you and, I mean to maybe remind people? I think we've talked about it enough through other podcasts about that automation. Be taking the complicated and, and, and automating it is something that's really good. So the thing that comes to my mind then is: is, is what is the killer app that's going to make SDN become that mainstream thing? To, to sort of, I don't know, become, become more adopted and more, more. Because we talk about it, and I don't see many customers knocking on our door asking for it we're telling them about it and they'll adopt it when we when if we we we, we, we work closely enough with them but I don't see customers going I want an
1: automated network now. business agility um, is gonna be the killer hat killer app um, business agility. reliability
0: that sounds yeah quite yeah. yeah so oh, so
1: configuring a network, getting a network up and running, keeping the lights on of a network is an extremely complicated task, As I'm sure our listeners will understand. Um, both doing the things that we have always done on a network, configuring edge ports, configuring uplink ports, that, that some of those things are gonna to need to be, continue to be done. It's very error prone. It's Do you mean the, because
0: of the human part? Because there? of
1: the human part. It's extremely error prone in, in terms of configuration. So, so there's, a net, there's an aspect of software-defined networking which is going to be very powerful just to do the things that we already do. But I think the true benefit is going to become with the things that we don't currently do because it's too hard. It's just too hard to get these things configured and working in a distributed system. If we can do all of these things from one touch oh, point...
0: What do you mean by distrib- distributed system in the sense of I've got network devices all over the place? Yeah, and
1: I've got a Like in on. a
0: campus or in a... Like you say, saying, if you're a retail... Sh-
1: and I've got to log on to each one of those individually, every single one of them.
0: And, that, and that's a... But that's, that's not really changed, because that's like the, in, in sense of,
1: that's always it. been
0: the... Yeah, but that's the, always been the SDN. That's the, the, the thing that SDN is supposed to solve, isn't it? I that, can...
1: One of the things it will solve, yes. I okay.
0: think
2: part of it is that at the moment, people are very concerned about the fragility of their networks, about changes disrupt, disrupting the network and them not being able to get it back. People are very concerned to make changes because uh, the concern is if a, if we make a change and it breaks the network, we're going to have outages and you know it may take us a very people- long time to get back to where we were. And that's the thing in, in my mind, though. if you
0: say you say that, and I agree with everything you say because that is. I mean, you, you built your network, you got it working, you got it stable, you got it rock solid, and you left it. And you yeah. don't let anyone near it, and you lock it in a cupboard, or you lock it in a comms room, or whatever. And you, and you make sure, you know, and you have put robust security so people can't go on and make config changes without them knowing what they're
1: doing. In other words, it's a very static object. Yeah, 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 yeah. very
0: static object. And the thing we talk about nowadays, though, in data centers now, is that we talk about app, application agility, and and data centers have become a lot more agile. So, and that's just the thing that's going through my mind is, going we've got a part of the industry that's becoming agile? And where the the networking part is just is that that's the last thing to go? Is it? I, I completely agree. Because if it can happen in the data center, where you've got, you I mean people get really nervous. You I mean you have super security, physical security, in your data center, because that's where your apps live. That's your prized possession. That's keeping your business working. But people are happy to have that one to be a lot more dynamic
2: and agile. The, the balance is, is shifting. The competitive pressures out there for for most organizations or which which ultimately comes down to a cost pressure so whether it's competitive pressure in uh, the commercial sector or whether it's um, cost pressures in in public sector those pressures mean that people can no longer afford to build these wonderful carved in stone Mm. um, you know decade-long monolithic structures they have to be able to react to take advantage of new ways to do things and so, the, the trade off between the, the ability to, to make changes versus absolute rock solid stability, rock solid stability. That's easy for you to uh, say. Exactly, thank you. <laughs> uh, it is changing. And again, that, that the way that most people expect that to be delivered is through automation and programmability. But again, I think not through lots of individual low level technical projects, but through people delivering networks as part of a high-level system in the future. I think that's the, the, the big change, uh, and perhaps one of the reasons why things have been moving more slowly um, than than we would have liked. The, the, the majority of the emphasis in software-defined networking so far, across the whole industry, has been solving individual Technical problems with the network, so things like configuring quality of service or, or automating pushing a config onto an individual box, and those are really useful capabilities, but they're not transformational. They're not. It's sort of you to... business as usual. It's sort of like a baby yeah. step. Is that? Is that? Uh, yes, I think so. It's it's aut- it's it's an essential part of creating the environment for these big transitions to, to, to come. I think perhaps an example would be um, before the age of steam really took off and people transformed the way industries worked because there was you know, almost limitless power. You had to have lots of tiny transitions like the way that coal was processed to turn it into, into uh, you know, a more reliable fuel and, and the way machine parts were Um, were created so that you could buy reliable individual components and as those came together and and what we're doing at the moment with SDN is building these reliable components this infrastructure and it's really really important but it's not that important to people who are running businesses someone who's trying to run a hospital or or someone who's trying to uh, Mm. manufacture cars on a production line doesn't really care about some of the steps that are being taken now but they are really important enabling steps to the point where we will be able to... Yes, really
1: yeah. I mean, take an example, for instance. Yeah, you know, you're building cars, you're running an hospital. Do you really care about Yang models and the development of them or NetConf protocol? Probably not. But those are the incremental steps that eventually, and, and we're you know, year down the line, we're not fully there at the moment, these incremental steps have been taking place over this last year and gaining maturity. It's it's an industry. It's an industry benefit.
0: SDN is it's software defined network and it's within the IT infrastructure. And because the IT infrastructure has not impacted the business, yet, where like a, maybe a, a business application like an maybe a an ERP system or something mm. like that, businesses rely on that now. They, it's not had that big leap yet of being. Wow, we need to do this and have that industry push because the business. Because at the moment you've talked about quality of service and maybe automation of deploying of equipment and things like that. It's not been a a business change, like you're saying. It's not been the business yeah. impact, and that's why it sort of sat there and sort of it's been
1: been there for a year. And 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 think, think of it this way. The the users of an application in a business, they're not saying to the network team, "Give me quality service," are they? No. They're saying, "I w- I need to be able to use this application." That's and what when it's not saying. working,
0: they let you know. Exactly, they do. Yeah.
1: So Ben, you mean you're the you're the uh, uh,
2: what's the word am I supposed to use? Early in career. Early, early career, career
1: person.
0: So, what do you think about the industry or what's going on in this place?
3: Well, I, I think that. You know, traditionally, as has been said before, the network is a very stable thing, it's a very static thing and we've kind of taken it for granted, but when we see rapid software development these days and agile methodologies, the ability not to develop an app over a course of six months to a year, but actually, okay, I'm going to really prototype something in a matter of hours or days, the network needs to react to that and I think that the network has been almost a, a bit of a blocker. Um, because we have to put it through the you know the, the network team they have to do vlan's or security policies etc um, and i think a lot of that mundane stuff needs to change and there needs to be a better quicker way to react to those
0: and do you see a, a quicker way to react to them but is the quicker way to impact the business
3: yeah that, that's the other thing because you don't want to compromise reliability and everyone will tell you that, that you know networks are historically they've been very reliable, Cisco kit especially. Um, <laughs> we are paid uh, by Cisco, so we are slightly biased point. on this podcast, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, we, we have to start with baby steps, automating some of the boring tasks, uh, building a level of trust, but then also I think creating a feedback loop. So it's not just about configuration, it's about feeding that that value back to the business because at the end of the day, if we configure something, then, then that's great. but how do we feed it back to the business and expose analytics, for example? Um, you know, creating that, that feedback loop to extract important data out of the network that can be human-readable rather than us just going box by box, by box and you know, finding out, finding out uh, problems or looking at flows on a box by box basis. We need to treat it more as a system, I think.
0: Oh Crikey well that's what you mentioned earlier on though Stephen is yeah. is it the actual oh, it being a system and not just a network it's a, it's a network is now an integral part of that application because it's it, everything's impacting and everything has got an integral relationship with everything on the network isn't yeah.
1: it the network as a configurable programmable object is the terminology I like to use it's a single system which from one touch point of mani- management can be programmed to perform a particular intention Wow. And that is what we want to achieve. Our intention may be, you know what, this application called X, we want it to have this level of treatment on the network in terms of security policy, quality service policy, make it happen, Mr. Network. Yeah. Now, now you imagine trying to do that on a box by box basis. It was, it's just impossible.
0: And, and The thing is, is that people aren't, are people coming down now like I know CIOs IT directors or these highfalutin people, are they coming down and saying right I want this network to be automated you're stopping me doing our business or is that still yet to come?
2: I think people are, I think other parts of the business, other parts of IT are frustrated that the network is not flexible that, that people are uh, being told no or later, um, or being given a set of restrictions when they want to do something. and and so I think that senior people are aware that networking is is an issue um, that they're they're challenged by the response. It's a risk if you if we make this change, if you want to just go ahead and do this quickly, you know, are you prepared to risk the network and people don't want to be told that, they want to get on and, and make the business changes so it's, it's the, the promise of SDN is the ability to allow things to happen f- flexibly and quickly but in a safer way because the changes, the, the most important safety feature of any change is the ability to revert um, and if you can automate deploying and reverting changes then that allows people to to try those things out. If you look at the the really big software-defined systems like Facebook, like uh, eBay, etc., um, they they effectively can play with the production network because of the way they're set up. Their systems are designed to allow you to apply a change to a subset of the network and 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 try it. And so they can develop incredibly quickly. Hmm. Um, and I think. And that's only possible when, when that sort of thing is automated. Um, if you have to go through a change control meeting with a, a committee of CCIE engineers to to try and achieve a change, it's very slow to do, but it's also very slow to, to back out again, and, and it stifles people who are using the network from doing interesting things, like things Ben was saying, You know, the ability to actually make changes uh, react to new applications quickly.
1: I mean, one other thing, I, I, I completely echo that, Justin. I mean, it, I've sat in customer meetings myself where essentially the networking team is like the ugly kid in the corner who are the blocker. You know, application, DevOps, you know, they're, they're all ready to go on something. They can ingest some XML and then um, fire it into their application and, and achieve a desired outcome. The networking team stretches their head they say, give us a few weeks, and we may be able to come up with something when we stretch a VLAN across campus, or something like that. These are the these are the things which, as Justin just said, they need to be automated in some way. In the same way that the network itself can ingest that little bit of XML code that says make this make this um, objective happen on the network.
0: The thing that's coming through my mind with your, the comments that have been said on on the podcast so far. Is it feels like it's needed it's gonna happen but the industry hasn't picked it up and a, a, maybe admitted to it or hasn't really embraced that this this is happening and it's gonna happen and we need to accelerate that change ourselves because if we sit here and just go well it doesn't really impact me I've got too busy a day job to do but it feels like the industry and these are customers I'm talking about. The industry in ge- in general, not just Cisco customers, other other manufacturers of things, um, need to pick this up and start to get on board with it because it's going to happen. All you're doing is de- delaying the inevitable.
1: Yeah, but, but all, also remember, right, that even as a large uh, business such as Cisco, you know. W- we develop in accordance with what our customers actually want, largely. You know, we're not full of propeller heads sitting in a dark room in San Jose inventing wacky ideas. You know, our customers are saying to us, our large customers with global networks and sometimes smaller networks are saying, you know what, Cisco? This is just too difficult to manage this network. We need your help to make it easier. And that's
0: true because we sort of see on average, I mean, customers will only turn on sort of nine features on the network.
1: Absolutely. On average, and
0: you think, well, if you can only turn on nine features, of I'm sure there are hundreds and hundreds and thousands of features you could turn on the <laughs> There are indeed, but because it's so complicated,
1: well, and becoming more complicated. Justin, imagine, for instance, doing. We've used the word quality service before, but let's say we want to, um, we want to apply a security policy to to a particular application that exists in Facebook. Are we going to do that across five thousand switches and six hundred routers mm. and thirty firewalls across an entire? global enterprise, that's going to be a very, very difficult thing to implement in that policy. Yeah. Whereas if we can click on a screen and make it happen, how easy, what business value has that brought now?
0: And, and that thing that sort of brings to mind is, what does the industry have to do? What does, or what do the people in the industry need to do to get ready? Because you talked about voice, and, and you mean traditional t- t- TDM. Uh, time division multiplexing. Yeah, that's so the one. Yeah, what's 64
1: it? bits in the UK, 56 bits per second in the US. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, I don't know what he said there. Um, <laughs> is you mean, that that industry change, and I remember, you mean, I, I came from a traditional telephony background and then came in when IP telephony was coming, it just was coming out, and then, like you said, it was like five years of not really much happening, and then it just, just happened. Mm. I mean, Ben, you've sort of seen it from the other side, haven't you, where there's only been ever IP telephony
3: yeah that's right that's right uh, i mean in fact when i was at uni that was what my my project was based on it was but it was, it was a voice dissertation so and, and when i've worked at cisco when i've worked in previous companies i've just seen ip telephony everywhere it was taken for granted so it's funny to hear about the conversation today and the transition that happened over a period of time and the the pressure that was put on the business to change then so i think sdn is nothing but a another another one of these things. It's, really. it's, it's the, the next it's voice. And,
2: and I think uh, the skills uh, of, of individual people, again, you can talk about the trend from an industry point of view and from a, an organization, from an employer's point of view, but as an individual engineer, I look back and think um, the people who uh, did best out of those transitions were the people who were prepared to uh, learn the other half of the, Okay. So
0: the voice engineers who went, I need to learn this stuff because my career is going. I'm not going to have a job, or so well, it's about retraining and yes, reskilling.
2: Absolutely, yeah. and, and and being able to, being able to understand both sides of of the the transition. So if you're a, if you're a networking person, learning a bit more about software and not becoming a developer, but just increasing your skills, becoming literate, and, and following those trends. But it also, increasingly in the future, I think there will be many other um, IT disciplines that will be learning more about networking. Partly because they won't have to learn about quas models and different mm. different flavours of spanning tree standards mm. over the years. Um, they can learn the you know the higher level stuff um, and let the system uh, take care of the of, of the lower level stuff. And but the individuals who do best are the people who are open to to build their skills and to have you know the old skills and the new skills you say if you if you're a brilliant programmer and you can do wonderful things with yang models and restful API calls but you don't fundamentally understand how IP addresses work or how ethernet frames work then you're going to struggle to add value in the networking world but equally if you only understand the traditional networking um, if you know, as we believe, things are going to increasingly accelerate, um, even if they you know they appear to be moving quite slowly now, then there's a danger that you'll be you'll be left behind. And as Steve was was saying um, before, uh, people who had you know an amazing skill set and you know let's face it, as as individual uh, engineers, um, uh, your your earning power to some extent is dictated by how how valuable your skills are. So if you can keep those skills valuable and the, and if you have a broad range of skills um, that that other people don't have then um, you know that makes you attractive it makes you attractive to the business because that's what they want
0: because it's interesting you go back to and I'm just gonna meet when I did the, the podcast with um, Phil Smith around productivity and it was all around you I mean like that you talked about earlier on about the Victoria Victorian age and steam and all that great engineering and all that innovation that happened but it wasn't like okay we, we people could reskill and stayed in employment you didn't people weren't losing jobs more people had jobs because there was more machines to look after and things like that so this is a time now of I mean those voice engineers are, aren't all unemployed they most probably all reskilled mm. and so is this the time now of reskilling you need to be looking at ourselves as individuals within the industry and going automation is coming yes I need to go away and get some skills Yes, and,
1: and some big employers now for networking positions are even um, asking for programmability skills. No, no one's suggesting that you know, you're going to be a whiz-bang software programmer or developer, but having an awareness that software processors can actually configure and implement a set of requirements on a networking device.
0: So where do you get, what skills do you need, come on, as the new in-career person, jump in?
1: Well, I, I think if I could if it just add on to
3: that, think of it this way, it's, it's, more, it's a more exciting time than ever because it's not just like we're in the networking silo anymore and we're the network ops team just dealing with the network, the routing and switching. We have the ability now to speak to other teams. We, we can communicate with the app developers because we understand about APIs, we understand about software development life cycles, we understand a little bit about virtualization now. So we can actually have a meaningful conversation with those teams and understand their requirements properly. And vice versa, their understanding how to interact with the network as well through APIs. Before it was very, very challenging because these were all very closed systems and I've been there on help desk working in a very siloed environment. So I can, I can say I, I know what it's like. So I think it's great that we're breaking those down and we're becoming more of a full-stack engineer, in a way, we're understanding. What do you mean by full-stack? So the ability not just to know your basic layer two and layer three protocols, because let's be honest, when we think about networking, probably that's what most people will say, okay, you're, you're, um, you're switching, you're routing, all of these different things, but fundamentally, we now need to think about the broader picture, so maybe learn a little bit about virtualization, Linux, Cloud.
0: Um, all it, I didn't like Linux. It just made me swear a lot yeah. mm. when I was writing in those commands, and it wouldn't do what I was supposed to do. <laughs> it just got very frustrating.
1: <laughs> I mean, I think another, uh, I think a very useful skill to 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 learn, um, not in, a, in a, an incredibly detailed way, but an, an important skill nonetheless, is, is Python. Um, okay. Just get a grasp for what the Python programming language is all about. Again, not at a whiz bang level, but at a fundamental. So
0: we can. So that's uh, that's a good call out then, is it? So start yeah, to learning programmability with Python. So where where do you go to get that those sort of skills? Or where can you go Because well, most, most people aren't going to go off on a training course. Or
2: no, 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 that's very true. There there are there are lots and lots of resources. I mean, I think it's worth um, giving a plug to the resources that Cisco's made available because they're. They're free uh, to you know they're DevNet. free to consume and particularly they're aimed at, at networking engineers as as Steve says uh, DevNet so if you go to developer.cisco.com um, and look at the, the learning the learning tracks there um, there are lots of other um, uh, online resources as well. Uh, there are other programming languages other than Python, of course, but certainly Python. Well, my seems Python, to be, yeah, but, but well, it, it, it's it's a very popular language. I mean, some people would say you know it's it's the fashion at the moment. But whether it's just the fashion or whether there are, I think there are some fundamental technical uh, benefits. As somebody, I, 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 it's difficult for me to be really objective because I, like a, a lot of network engineers, have taught myself a certain amount of Python and, and basically no other languages. So. I only have one perspective, but what I find is that Python is quite easy to read. It's quite it's quite easy to look at somebody else's script and work out what what it's doing, and therefore to to play with it and you know make it do something slightly different, um, which is what you want it to do. Um, but you know the resources to, to learn those things and sort of online sort of playgrounds where you can you, know, you can teach yourself about these things without. Um, You know, the classic thing people who are are objecting to this stuff would say is I don't want those scripts going mad on my network and and destroying it. Breaking it. Now, of course, you know, it's good to be very careful, but equally, you know, people have to learn and they have to build their their skills and their confidence. And you have to look, if you're a a manager looking to develop your team, you need to, to try and find opportunities for people to do things that really matter. Certainly, when I was teaching myself programming, the real godsend for me was having a few jobs that needed doing that I could actually apply. So rather than just um, writing a program that sorted apples, pears, and bananas in a database, if you've actually got some real data that you you do actually need to so, understand.
0: So the thing is, my mind then is is it as you're working in your day is a, is a network engineer or someone in the in the networking environment and you thinking right i need to get myself skilled up on this is to maybe start to look, go to say developer.cisco.com or devnet yeah mm-hmm. um and you can look at, look that up online is t- to take what you're doing in your day job and see h- and use it as a bit of a is that a pet project of right if i was going to do this in the automation world using python see how would i do this and and run it as a i know that's the thing i'm running as a sideline but as a because if you're applying your, what you're doing in your real day job, then it uh, uh, applies more... i um, trying to think of the word now. I've totally lost it. There, I'll edit this bit out. Um, <laughs> but it, it allows you to uh, a bit more meaning to the studying and the learning.
2: Yeah, yeah. Try and find a real-world example of something and accept that it will take you longer to do than if you just did it by hand. Um, it's true with most tools. Um, if you're... Uh, learning how to use a tool it 's going to take you longer to do the job than if you just do it the way you know, but if you know that eventually um, you can do these things quick uh, more quickly, then um, you know it 's worth putting that time in and and the key thing is it 's just accepting that it 's a general purpose skill maybe that job you know if you write a script to do something, then you can do it repeatably over and over again maybe you 'll never do it again, but you 've learned the skills yeah. Um, do that and you know increasingly we're moving to a world where things are um, being standardized people are looking for things that are repeatable and reliable and those skills will will be required just being a network engineer on its own um, perhaps um, I don't know how long um, it will be maybe it will be you know many decades to come but my suspicion is people who only have networking skills and, and nothing else. Not, you know, something to do with operating systems, something to do with, um, you know, uh, software development, etc. They're going to be doing the less interesting jobs. I mean, you can look at it in terms of you know, pay. You can look at it in terms of productivity. Personally, as an engineer, I look at it in terms of, you know, is this interesting or boring?
0: I think um, that's most engineers, isn't it? They only yeah. do things they're interested in. If they yes. see something new come along, most engineers will go. ooh, you mean and, and learn it? So yeah.
1: I mean, I'm a died-in-the-wall network engineer myself. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm I did my CCA um, fifteen years ago, um, but I acknowledge that I cannot just continue to base my career and salary level on configuring quality service and routing protocols. You know, because ultimately, the relevance, the true relevance of that, is going to be automated away, and the real skills are going to be in um using tools as we've discussed, things like Python to declare an intention that we want to apply to the entire network as a single entity, not as a set of individual boxes,
0: yeah, yeah, so Ben, what's your you mean as someone who's yeah. new new in, early in career he's no, um, getting,
1: it, getting it I'm getting it now remembering it,
0: but you mean you've gone away and you mean have you learned a traditional networking background and, and networking skills is that what, what when you came out of university is that what you had
3: yeah, I would say so, yeah. But in the, in the last kind of two years, I've picked up many new skills. I mean, the, like it's like just mentioned, uh, a little bit of Python. And it's really not that scary, to be honest with you. I, I did some programming at, at uni. It was Java. And I can say that Python's much simpler than, than Java. It doesn't need to be compiled, for instance. So it essentially just means that you can work with it straight away. It's very human readable. And, uh, and how did you get, that? How do you get those skills? Yeah, just just from exploring, really. Um, there's so much on, on the internet these days. YouTube videos. Um, so you,
0: books. so it's about giving yourself some time to. And I'm just, I'm just thinking about when I made that career change away from from telephony into I, I into networking, and going away and studying and doing my Cisco certified exams all the way from the CCNA all the way through CCDP, and it was lots and lots of studying in the evenings. But it was something I knew I had to do if I was ever ever going to get into this industry. So is this the same sort of thing? If you mean people should be going right, well, you need to carve out some time in your in your week to go away and start to study this thing.
3: Yeah, but it could, it could definitely. But it can also be fun if if you if you take a, a problem, take something like applying um, VLANs or something that you do in your daily job, or, or just something completely different. Like say you want to automate something um, on your home operating system. You know, you can use a programming language to do that very easily and save yourself some time there
0: you mean i'm just thinking about when i went back to when i was learning and you you get yourself try and get yourself a hand on some some routers and some switches and do some config and then it went to sort of virtual as in you know there'd be software that you could use that would allow you to program virtual instances of things and is that going to be the same now is just yes (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
1: <laughs> so yes. is it, so
0: I don't need to go away and say I need to build myself a lab you mean like yourself, I bet you had a CCIE lab did, that you did. That you of
1: switches and 2630, 750 routers, yeah I remember those days as well so you can do all of this now in GNS3 um, on, What's on GNS3 GNS3 is like a web um, it's a free tool that you can download off the internet to build complex networks um, and then what
0: you'll then do is just using using SDN to know instead of just Going on to each box and config in it is about going right. Well, I'm going to create using yes. software, using a controller. Absolutely, I'm going to make mass changes to the whole of the system. Yes, That's it, system. So yeah. I use GNS.
1: Yeah. I use the example of GNS three there, but there's also uh, an official uh, Cisco tool for this as well called Virl, which is a virtual internet routing labs that that also fully supports this um, uh, ability to run up virtual instances of routers on a, on, a, on a PC, and then configure them programmatically with with um, with python
3: yeah it was, it was brilliant because you i mean probably when you studied for your ccr you had to have a whole rack of equipment and power it and, and, everything. Uh, whereas, and an associated uh, power uh, bill yeah, yeah. <laughs> whereas when um when, when i studied last year for it i could do all of my laptop i could virtualize all of the routing and switching well the yeah. switching to an extent but um that's great but now we can take it a step further now these boxes are kind of opened up a little bit we can now interface with it with other ways, like maybe send a, a script to it. And we're getting closer and closer to, to the box, which I think is great because you know you can start using our creativity skills a bit more and, um, and thinking mm-hmm. of new ways to do things. It's not just, okay, here's a box, and I can plug it in and configure it. There we go. There's, there's so much more we can be doing now.
0: Wow. So it sounds like people... Need to go away and start to look at programming.
1: They, they need to learn at a at a base at a, not as I said before not on a an incredibly expert level, but a fundamental level to have an awareness of of like Python, of APIs, application programmable interfaces, which are open, becoming opened up on our devices now at Cisco, and a programming language can by by means of a library can interact with the box. At a very low level, and that's a re- As Ben's just said, that's a really powerful capability. And in fact, in, and in fact, this, the 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 sky's the limit. Actually, as to what you can actually do now, and that's even at individual individual box level. You start to think of this as again, as I've said several times, the entire network as a single entity, as a single programmable object. Yeah, all under the control of a bit of code that you can write. It's, it's, and and I, I grant you, that's scary in some ways. But as people develop these skills, mm. yeah, we, we're, we're facing a very, very powerful um, outcome ultimately.
0: Right, and it is, and it does sound really powerful, and it sounds, when it hits, it's going to hit big, uh, and that's it. You mean they don't sound like a t- so pessimistic saying tidal wave coming, but it is this wave of automation is going to come, where the industry is going to demand it, and people yep. are going to demand that, and they're going, and then. Flagship industries or flagship companies will will autumn, will do this, and then we'll have to think right. If we're going to be competitive, we've got to do this as well. And there's some reskilling in there, uh, which you can do yourself. It doesn't feel like you have to go away and spend no. a fortune on training courses. Free. It's, about, it's fr- the training there is free. It's about taking your time and learning yeah. it, and then investing t- um, your own time yeah. and investing that skill into your own job. Because then you can start to say, look, I'm, we can start to automate things, and what that will help to do is accelerate it within your own work environment. I yeah. don't know, maybe I'm sort of...
1: No, I think that's exactly right, Justin. I mean, and again, don't let's try to boil the ocean here in one go, you know? Let's try to try to take an hour a week, or something like that, yeah. 30 minutes a week, just a little bite-sized chunk. Say, so, you know, I'm just gonna invest some time in my development.
0: We should do that and come back in a year time and say, right, which one of us is, and I say, <laughs> have you learned any Python yet? And I'm like, okay. Maybe. Um, so, this has been really good, because it's talk about that, you mean why, it's not really picked up, and we sort of see the industry sort of self sat there looking at it, and, and we talk about the skills change that needs to happen, because when this wave hits of, of automation, or where we're, you mean, the, the your organization demanding this automation, we can't do this anymore the way the network is, we need this automation, and making sure that you've got those skills, and we've all got to change those skills as well. and. What does he what what do we is gonna what does he what do other organisations, what are other vendors out there look look like? I mean, is is it just a Cisco I mean, is it a very closed S D. N environment? Is it like okay, there's Cisco way of S D. N, is there
2: other vendors' version of S D. N or is this a whole industry that's this I think the key thing is it's it's not being driven by the networking industry, but it's being driven further up the stack. Um, I think that the 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 biggest inputs to the development of software-defined networking are not, um, though, though you need to build your own skills and things like learning um, Python is very good for the individual network engineer, actually in terms of the, the overall technology, it's being driven by things like hypervisors or you know, hypervisor management systems, uh, container management systems, telephony systems, security systems, wanting to drive the network. And so, in the in the future, I think that networks are rather than being very static as they have been, um, they're going to be increasingly exposed. Uh, have have APIs exposed that allow higher level systems to control them. Um, the the obvious example of that is is the cloud. And there's been a lot of a lot of discussion about customers who've moved workloads into the cloud. And then perhaps, you know, people often say, you know, I've seen the bill and and, and are bringing things back. But the reason workloads have been moved into the cloud is because people don't want to sweat the small stuff. They don't want to sweat the details. They just want to get an app up and running and and workable. And if you're building that infrastructure, I mean, you you may be the person who's building the cloud or, or helping build the network for that cloud. But ultimately, you're not building a network for its own sake. You're building it. To offer services to something else, and increasingly those applications, whether they are individual applications, somebody's, you know, MongoDB-based um, web app, or whether it's what, whole, what did you just say then? Well, it's just one of many, <coughs> many um, you know IT tools out there. Is a bit of a buzzword. There are lots of people. In the old days, people used to build, um, uh, Lamp stacks with you know Linux and. Um, MySQL SQL and, and uh, Apache, etc. Um, and you know, nowadays people are talking about uh, MongoDB and, and lots of other things. But the key thing there is, people are developing apps. They want something that can, you know, manage an inventory of car parts or book people into a doctor's surgery. They don't care about the network underneath it, but the network has to be there. It has to do what it has to do, and. and you know, at the heart of security is it only does what it's supposed to do, it doesn't do anything else. But those things need to be under the control of applications, uh, whether they are the business applications or whether they're security applications or or management applications. But increasingly, the network has to be capable of being controlled, not static. And here's the network, if you want to come onto our network, here's our list of demands Yeah. Um, to what do you want, you know, we, can, we can meet your demands, we can provide you with what looks like your own private bubble that does exactly what you want but nothing else, um, but we can provide it with our, with our network. And I think, again, you know, coming back to skills, it's about the skills of um, turning a network that continues to be this rock solid thing that, uh, that we've, we've come, to, come to rely on, but making it available um, to the business, to the applications, um, and that again comes down to it being programmable.
0: And are people going to be writing applications that are going to demand? That's going to say, well, this application needs information from the network in a dynamic way. So, and I'm just sort of like, maybe I'm thinking more of like feedback from the network. The, the network's not just a dumb pipe that just they, people throw information down. These application going to be these application writers and the application team are going well. I need information from the network. Is that is that something that's going to yeah, happen? A-
2: absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. Okay. Application performance for one. Yeah, yeah. People need to know if I've if I've spun up a new application, an instance of an application uh, in a container. Again, perhaps you won't know or care whether it's a container or a full fat virtual machine or or even something else uh, developed in the future. But you'll want to know that it's there. You'll want to know whether it's um, supplying the services that you need. You might want to know what services are available. Um, and again, that's a you know that's a trend that I think um, I think we probably talked about it a year ago. We're just um, starting to bring out applications now that can pull out information from the network. We talk a lot about streaming analytics. Um, that feedback loop moving from just you know the traditional software defined networking where you have an application that just tells the network what to do, but the reality is anything sophisticated that you want to know you want to do you need to have this feedback loop mm-hmm. you say here's what I want to happen and then you need to know whether it's happened or not um, if you've got children you know that just telling uh, telling a child to do something <laughs> isn't enough <laughs> you need to you need to ask them to do it and then you need to ask them whether they've done it and then check mm. then check, check <laughs> whether they've done it exactly and um, have they actually done it or are they just uh, halfway through doing it and um, and I think in, in, increasingly in, in the future as we move to networks that are much more intelligent Steve was talking about this this system that you control as a as an overall system but as such um, Perhaps you have a slightly looser grip on the range. You're no longer configuring individual network segments. You know, creating a VLAN. Um, you're just telling the network, "I've got an application. Please go and look after it." But then, equally, you need to get some feedback. You know, is it being looked after?
0: Yeah. Wow. And it's you know, it's been really interesting. You mean the thing with SDN? The sticks in my mind as well. So, is this just like Cisco SDN working on Cisco equipment, or is this going to be like a anyone's controller can speak to anything? Because that's something we talked about last time on the last podcast. And it's is that still changing? Because you I mean we had OpenStack, OpenFlow.
2: You yeah. I
0: mean, and I've not seen. No, I think much it is, about that it, either. It
2: is open. I mean, Cisco is a fantastic company with fantastic products that are trusted by most of the biggest. Uh, companies in, in the world to, to to build their networks, but ultimately, what they care about is supplying a service to things that uh, I, I hate to say it. Uh, working for Cisco for since uh, since I was virtually a small child, um, <laughs> people don't really care about having a Cisco network. They care about having a reliable network to the extent that it enables the applications that they want. You know, we mentioned voice. People still care hugely about voice. People pick up the phone, they expect to hear dial tone, they expect to be able to dial somebody else or get a, a video conference with someone else. It's still a really critical uh, application. It relies on the network. It's got to be there but people don't want to worry about provisioning something special for that. So in in the future um, more and more applications are going to rely on the network but they they have to I've completely
0: lost the plot. That's <laughs> <laughs> all right, but it's, it's it's talking about others. You mean you mean SDN being having a controller on the network that will speak to not just Cisco. So as in like Cisco controller speaking to a Cisco. Yeah, but that,
1: that hasn't got to be. So that hasn't got to be a Cisco controller. Ultimately, if you think about it. it, doesn't have to be. If you've got an open API, you can develop your own application if that's what you want to do, and get let that speak to the network if that's what you. So want. So you don't even have to use a Cisco
0: controller. You could no, write your own. No. That's right, that's and in fact you can, crazy. Link, can we
2: calm down, please? you can link you can link different applications together uh, almost everything that Cisco does that's programmable can be controlled by a RESTful API and, and, and what that means is we don't care what's at the other end of that, I mean we tend to show examples uh, that, that are using Python scripts to control that but uh, Ben mentioned uh, Java previously um, you could have a, an IBM mainframe uh, running um, COBOL, um, well, you, you can not as long as it as long as it creates RESTful API calls, which are you know which are basically web calls, but a very similar thing to you know you on your um, you know Firefox browser clicking on a web page um, is you know is basically the same sort of transaction as a as a RESTful API call. Um, so yeah, we don't care, and but certainly the value is when you link these things together. So um, the Cisco network being programmable is important if the thing you're running on top of the network can use that capability. So if you've got a um, Kubernetes container system or you've got a, a VMware uh, hypervisor system or uh, an OpenStack uh, system being able to control the network, that's what matters. And, and really, you know, for a business, um, you know, whether that's a hospital or, or, a, or a car plant, um they care about their applications, you know, booking new mm. patients or um, you know, someone's just changed their order and they want the car painted yellow rather than blue. Um you care to the extent that you can make that happen. And um so yeah it it I think Cisco networks um and the and Cisco networking systems are only going to be able to earn their keep if they can do the job of allowing that patient's operation to be Um, to be rescheduled or the car to be painted blue rather than yellow or yellow rather than blue better than somebody else's network you know um, it's yet another situation where um, you know standards based um, technologies mean that you can swap out um, one manufacturer's equipment for another one Um, the reason you would choose Cisco is the reason that people have always chosen Cisco is because we do a better job of implementing the things that people actually need uh, than our competitors and um, you know that won't change
0: and that's what you think about it those big changes though and we talk about voice and where we became very good at voice in it's that industry and we drove that we drove that industry change and we're driving that industry change again now so yeah. having yeah,
1: these yeah I mean I mean about two-thirds of the yang models which are which are um, the, the data structures inside switches and routers that allow programmability think of it that way um, about two thirds of them are authored by Cisco, okay. for instance.
0: But it's like driving this now. You I mean having this discussion now about what we need to reskill you, as a network engineer? If you want to be a, a a associated to being a Cisco engineer of the future, you need to go away and you're gonna have. you mean, you, you, your networking skills are taken for granted, but your skills you're going to need for the future of you're gonna to have to go away and study up on on Python and coding and get used to programmability, get used to writing writing those those yep. codes and applications to help to automate that network because the engineer who will be turning up for a job interview and want to be commanding a good salary will be the ones who are going, right, okay, yeah, you, everyone, everyone's got, not everybody, but there's plenty of people out there with networking skills. What I need is automation networks.
1: Well, the way I like, I couldn't, absolutely, totally, Justin, the way I like to explain this, and I think I used this explanation last time, a year ago, what we're talking about here with programmability is computers speaking to computers, Right. Now, the way that networks have been traditionally configured uh, and and operated is by humans with their fingers talking to networks, Mm -hmm. right? Configuring the routers and switches. What we're talking about now is a computer speaking to another computer. There's nothing new about this. You know, Mm -hmm. as Justin says the example, when you enter your uh, Internet Explorer browser and you type in a web address and it goes across the world to fetch the web pages and display them, that is computers speaking to computers Mm -hmm. over APIs. We're talking about doing the same thing with networks. Yeah. It's yeah. exactly the same thing. And I think the C, that you're, you're right,
3: absolutely right. The CLI is, is, is effectively just a human readable API, isn't it? When you think yes. about it, that's all it is. It allows us to program routers and switches. But now, you know, how can we get machines to, or, or bits of software to talk to other software? And, and that's through you know, RESTful APIs, which, like it's been said, is nothing more than just a, a basic HTTP request in, in fact, I went to um, a Cisco DevNet event recently, which is all set up uh, to, to really skill up network engineers around programmability and these kind of new things that we're talking about. And I, I find it amazing that within, I think, five minutes, there was, a pers- there was a developer in the room that was used to programming and developing apps. And within five minutes, he could actually interact with Cisco equipment, pull data, push data to Cisco equipment, all through using APIs. Yep. And he, he created VLAN's policies in five minutes. no and so idea he, about CLI, and, let me and, guess. And he did, yeah, he did not know
0: Conf T, you know, show VLAN brief, he, he didn't. I can't believe he's so. not knowing that. Terrible. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but that's it's really interesting. And, and you mean we've been talking for a while now, but is there anything as a sort of a closing up now is there anything that you think is going to be what's big what's it what's the, what, 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 let's have a bit of a prediction and then we'll come back in a year's time and see if it came true or not
2: i think the i think the analytics um is the is the next wave I, I know we've been talking to some extent that the you know the 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 previous wave perhaps hasn't yet broken, but you know you can look if you're standing on the beach trying to pick that wave to go and um Push your surfboard onto. You know, you look at you look at the next wave, and you look at the one after that. Um, I think that the 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 ability to get really good information out of the network and to alter the the instructions you're sending into the network and create a a, a a
0: that feedback loop. loop, Yeah, Yeah.
2: Mm. be able to check whether what you've asked to be done has been done. Um, whether it has the you know the the consequences you expect, um and if not, then maybe, you know, to uh to change. Is, that, is that,
0: so is that the thing about you mean we talk about automation but it's self automating via analytics. So you get the analytics on the network, you know how things are performing, I need to make a change and the network just basically automating itself. Is that where we is that Well, it's...
2: it's not necessarily automating itself, but you're you're building more sophisticated systems that um that can that can create a, a new steady state. I mean, if I think back, I at, at university um, when I was when I was at school, I was advised not to do um, computing at A level because um, that was regarded as, uh, as as too you know choosing a career too early. I should do things like physics and, and maths, and you know you can study something something a bit more vocational uh, later later in life, but. Um, uh, in, in electronics, um, you would have you know circuits that had a, a, a feedback uh, loop in them. Oh, that yes. That create a, a stable well, situation. Well, so that's a,
0: a, an amplifier circuit has got a feedback loop in it. No, absolutely. So seven I four,
2: remember 741. Four, yeah. <laughs> so uh, if you're filling a tank up to a certain height, you can just pump, 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 pump until, until you've tripped a switch. But you may well overshoot. You may mm. well go. But if you can have uh, a circuit which pumps water and the nearer you get to the level you want, you know, the the, the more you reduce the, the pumping until it, it uh, just sort of arrives at a steady state. That's a much more reliable way to operate something. And again, you know, we've talked about one of the things holding um, programmability back is people's concern about scripts going mad on the network and unintended Rise of the machines. Yeah, um, but if you can design systems with a, f- with a feedback loop that allows you to monitor and to say, um, I'm gonna send this script off into the into the network and I'm gonna ask you to do this thing. But if it doesn't achieve what I want it to achieve or if other things start happening that I wasn't expecting, then I'm gonna ask it to back it out. Um, to be able to do those things, to build confidence in the ability to, if you could, if you're confident you can get back to where you started, you're much more likely to set off in, and that in com- the first and, and, place. And
0: that feedback's going to come via the analytics piece. Yes, absolutely.
2: Okay. That, that the analytics is going to allow people to develop much more useful applications that are that are much closer to what people really want. Like we always say, you know, a, a network is there to deliver benefits to a business or or an operation, not just to move packets around for for their own sake. So if we can do really useful things, if it's closer to um, you know, paint the car yellow than it's than it is to create this VLAN or create this Quasmarking Yeah. Then it becomes more relevant. Um, you know, it becomes more useful.
0: Any other predictions?
1: I um, I think um, software defined networking allied with um, network function virtualization is a uh, is a, an area which is going to see considerable Network traction.
0: function virtualization. <laughs> so
1: that's the ability to be able to run lots of individual network functions, particularly in a wide area network, things for instance such as the router, wireless LAN controller, things like a firewall, load balancer, those sort of functions, and run them on on x86, but orchestrate them via software and programmatic means from one central touch point. So you imagine you had a WAN of a thousand branches all over Europe, all over the world potentially. Yeah, you imagine the difficulty of configuring every single one of those functions around the world. It's a massive mammoth undertaking. Imagine if you could do all of that from a few touch points of management or even one touch point of management, all programmatically, as we've discussed in this podcast. I think that is an area which can drive immediate business value to most of our customers. So I'd say watch that space.
0: Okay. Okay. Ben. Yeah, and I do, I know we I really didn't even prep for this bit, but there you go. Hopefully, I haven't caught you.
3: Yeah, no, those were my two predictions taken. No, no I'm really shaking. <laughs> so <laughs> you think, came last. Year. You're yeah, the youngest. <laughs> so I think um, another thing is definitely moving toward, towards more policy and intent-driven systems. Um, so, for example, model, model-driven ways of doing things uh, that's not just applicable to Cisco but applicable to other vendors as well. What does that mean? So uh, effectively um, if I want to allow engineering, um, I want to deny access from engineering talking to marketing for instance, The usually I would have to run that through my brain and I would have to put some sort of policy on there, tie it to an IP address, maybe implement an ACL, something like that and apply it to a bunch of switches so it actually works. Yeah. Now, with with a policy, I'm kind of not really, uh, I'm decoupling that, that that IP address from the policy because let's face it, an IP address is, is really just a way to get around the network. That's what it was designed for. It's not really designed for implementing security policies, um, which most people are using them for these days. So I think moving towards a more um, business intent way of doing networking is, is going to be a big thing in the future uh, so
1: so as a so, business,
0: business attendant going, I need, this user in HR needs to access the HR systems in there and allow, that's the intent. I don't care what IP address that person is, I don't care what that person is on. Don't, okay.
1: Or even where, what location they're in. Yeah, I just
0: want to allow, that person needs access to that and that access needs to be, ensure has a good, and those applications need to have a good it, level of a high, service.
3: It's a higher level of abstraction. So rather than me thinking about all of these lower level things that we talked about, the layer two and the layer three stuff moving way up to the to the business intent and like you say i want to d- deny x from talking to to y and uh i'll let a, some sort of controller go off and figure out how to do that and program the infrastructure wow yeah. and because,
2: also to I mean, back to the you know to the to the to the feedback loop to the analytics tell me if that ever happens you know i've told the network not to allow x to talk to Y. but if it does happen i so, want to know about it exactly and, and again if you can automate the process of whenever you tell the network um, to to allow something um, or not to allow something that you effectively are always telling it and by the way I want to know if this rule is ever broken that's really powerful so often um, you know people look back later and, and realize that there was signs of a problem happening people say oh it turned out that you know somebody was stealing data Um, From this computer for six months before we found out about it, but um, you know that was never allowed It was never anyone's intention to allow this um, uh, Robotic arm on a a manufacturing line to have a to have a a access to the database where all the you know the new car blueprints are are Stored
1: and this is going to become increasingly critical in the internet of everything world which we haven't mentioned really But if you think about it more and more devices coming onto the network. Very often, they're not patched, they're not looked after by the vendor. You know, it's a radiator valve, ultimately. It's not a IT system, so it's got a very little thin shim of Linux on it with an IP stack on it. If that, it could just be layer two. Yeah, so it will be highly insecure, do you want to use that as a jump off point and as a security?
0: But that comes out to that business intent of going in, and with the feedback going, yeah. my business intent is for, a, you say, that, that valve or whatever to have access to only the system that needs it have access to and, and then with the feedback checking that it's happening. Yes. So it's really interesting. And that's the thing. I mean, we talk about cloud, we talk about IoT. They're sort of the two biggest things that are sort of driving this at the moment, this industry, as well as now. Automation and being able to yeah. cope with that, the network has to be automated to cope with these things. Because you can't, you would an engineer having to build VLANs and access controllers to try and control the amount of things that are going to come onto the network, it will be impossible to do.
1: And, yeah. and, and let's face it, right? And let, let's face it. And I know, and it could be argued, yeah, you will say that, won't you? Because you're Cisco, but but really, look at the facts. Who else is going to address that problem other than a, a network solution? Yeah. Because the network it be touches everything. It touches everything. Okay. It touches every user, every device, every application.
0: That's really good. Thank you, everybody, for today. Thank you for your predictions. We'll come back in a year's time. <laughs> Hopefully, maybe before that. And uh, see if they all come true. But thank you, Ben. Thank you justin and thank you steve for your thank time you. today thanks very much for coming on the podcast and thanks for listening as well and um, if you want to contact uh, the podcast you can uh, tweet me at, at justin Willen or you can email me at Justin.willen at cisco.com thanks for listening